Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc., Welcome to Viral, a podcast series looking at the spread of COVID-19 as it continues to affect Ireland and the international world in a growing capacity. I'm Ian Doyle. On today's podcast, we look at what the coronavirus outbreak teaches us about Ireland's public healthcare system and whether it's essentially fit for purpose. This evening we're announcing that we have diagnosed today 255 additional cases of COVID-19, bringing the total diagnosed so far to 1,819. We're reporting that there have been an additional uh, 10 deaths recorded, bringing our total to 19. Of those 19, 13 are male, and the median age of those who have died is 79. And we'd like to express our condolences to the families and friends of all those uh, who have died as a result of COVID-19. That was a clip from today's press briefing from the Department of Health as we learned about 10 additional COVID-19 related deaths in Ireland so far. Northern Ireland has also suffered three additional deaths that were reported today, bringing the overall death toll on the island of Ireland to 29 this evening. Dr Tony Hewland spoke frankly about the days and weeks ahead, stressing that we are only at the very beginning of the infection and there are likely to be many more fatalities along the way. We expect to see more deaths. We've said uh, all along that this is an infection that's going to continue to increase. I've indicated to you that I think and I still believe we're at an early stage in terms of our experience of this uh, infection and of the global pandemic that we're now faced with. It is one which is different to pandemics that we've experienced before. In most developed countries in the world, we expect that to be somewhere in the region of about 1%. And if the number of cases continues to increase, uh, the number of deaths, sadly, will continue to increase in line with that. That's our expectation. In other news released today in a national survey conducted by the Department of Health, 35% of people are now worried about their own personal health, while 77% of people are worried about the health of their friends and family during the virus. 66% of people say they are now coughing more regularly into their elbow. 81% of people say they are physically distancing themselves when they are in a queue, while in terms of the economic impact of the virus, 65% of people are worried about the economy in general, while 32% of people are worried about their employment status. Now, as mentioned at the top of the podcast, we are going to be looking at the subject of public health care. Now, as a disclaimer, we do not mean public health care in the sense of the public versus private hospital system here in Ireland, but rather the approach to medicine that is concerned with the health of the community as a whole rather than the individual. A lot of people would be unfamiliar with the work that public health doctors do, despite the fact that they have a key importance to everyone's well-being here in Ireland. 
Priscilla Lynch is an award-winning health journalist and clinical editor of The Medical Independent. Their roles are extensive and varied, but essentially public health medicine is about promoting health, preventing disease and prolonging life rather than treating individual patients. So they cover everything from alcohol and tobacco policy, vaccination, health screening programs, and crucially they're tasked with monitoring and advising on how to control infectious disease outbreaks. So they cover all these kind of diseases like measles, mumps, um, HIV, hepatitis, and obviously, as we know now, COVID-19. So outbreaks like SARS, MERS, uh, coronaviruses, they're all key to that. Although contact tracing is a relatively new word in most of our vocabularies, it is a hugely important function of public health doctors' duties in the fight against all manners of illnesses. Contact tracing has always uh, worked in Ireland, like tracing people who have particular sexually um, transmitted diseases or TB but now it's very much in the public for because of COVID-19. Contact tracing is one of the main tools the government are implementing against the spread of COVID-19, particularly during the containment phase of the virus, when community transmission is still relatively low. To put it simply, contact tracing is where health authorities attempt to trace anyone who has been in close proximity to a confirmed infection. A close contact could be anyone who has had close face-to-face contact with a patient for more than 15 minutes. Individuals living in shared accommodation, Passengers on an aircraft sitting within two seats in any direction of a confirmed case or sexual partners of anyone who has been diagnosed. Before the pandemic, there were only 60 people nationwide that were trained in contact tracing. But in the days and weeks ahead, that number is to rise significantly. Here is Professor Sam McConkie speaking to RTE News. We need to scale up from our current of 60 up to 5,000 people rapidly to copy what they've done of China. And my view is that's, that's the model that we can keep this virus out by scaling up and doing what was done in China. We need to copy the Chinese response. In recent days, we've also seen staff in a number of public and civic sector roles reassigned to the HSE to aid in tracing efforts. Even outside the realms of the COVID-19 outbreak, Questions are asked on whether Ireland's public healthcare system is truly proficient. This is an unprecedented situation which arguably no health service across the world would have the necessary uh, public health resources and medical resources on standby to deal with. But I suppose the question is, does Ireland normally have enough public health doctors and, you know, a comprehensive public health system in place? And I suppose in a word, no. Like we've had long running recruitment and retention issues with public health medicine in Ireland. Um, we have less than 100 doctors across the service and there's 10 key posts are vacant. Uh, a lot of posts in Ireland in public health medicine are filled on an acting basis and they have been for a long time. Even the director of the Health Protection Surveillance Centre, which is an absolutely key post, that has been vacant in Ireland since May 2016. It's been filled on an interim basis, obviously, by um, senior public health doctors in the HSE, Dr Kevin Keller initially and Dr John Cuddehy, who's leading on the provision of um, COVID-19 information and guidance development. But the fact that that post has been unfilled um, for so long raises key questions. Money is often a huge factor in the HSE's inability to attract people to these roles. When you think about the money that we can throw at banks to fill posts there when they're vacant and we talk about the need to increase remuneration for them the fact that they were able to leave that post vacant for so long I think raises questions about the commitment to public health in Ireland and the fact that for many years public health doctors have been calling for um, their services to be strengthened and for them to be more integrated and to have more support staff and to change how the roles operate and obviously the fact as well in Ireland is that we don't award public health doctors consultant status so this means they don't get the same pay 
as their hospital colleagues. According to Priscilla, this is not the same in all countries, meaning that immigration is often a far more attractive prospect for those early in their public health careers who are in search of better working conditions. We've obviously needed for a long time really to kind of solve this issue in public health medicine. There's many very dedicated and talented and well-trained specialists in public health medicine, but they say that they obviously need more support. And it's been a very long running issue. So a lot of these issues you were speaking about seem to be ones that are within the HSE's own control. When was the last time an audit was done on the public health service here in Ireland? Finally, in December 2018, the Crow Horwith report on the role, training and career structures of public health physicians in Ireland was finally published. This had been delayed for many years and follows lots of other reports. Um, And that confirmed that a lot of current public health specialists are due to retire within the next five to ten years and uh, that the current status and remuneration available uh, makes it difficult to recruit them because we're also operating in a competitive global medical labour market. So um, that report recommended that serious consideration be given to awarding public health specialist consultant status. So this all sounds great. The government, um, they accepted that and they set up an implementation group over a year ago, but predictably progress has been slow. Typically in Ireland, we are great at publishing these really good strategies about how we're going to transform various parts of our health service. It's in the implementation of these strategies is where we fall down. And I suppose similarly with public health, that has been the case. When the dust settles on the COVID-19 outbreak, there are many parts of the overall healthcare system that will be analysed and in places come under scrutiny. Priscilla feels that the systematic undervaluing of public health doctors may soon be a thing of the past. Obviously, the whole COVID-19 situation has put a lot of pressure on them to resolve those issues and to strengthen our public health medicine structures after this, because you can hardly turn on a television at the moment without a public health doctor telling you about the importance of hand washing, about contact tracing uh, and, you know, uh, giving advice on how we deal with this outbreak. So. They're working very hard at it. And I suppose after this, we really need to look at how we structure that service to make sure that we're better equipped in future, because this is not going to be the only outbreak that we're going to have to deal with realistically, you know, in the coming years. There's obviously going to be a lot of food for thought uh, in how we the whole world responds to such outbreaks in future. And I think really the value of public health, I think people are really realising how important they actually are. Because before this, a lot of people wouldn't really be too familiar with them. They think, oh, well, they're involved with alcohol policy, really, or, you know, tobacco. But you know, they have an absolutely key function. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really important that we recognise that and that we make sure that our service is ready for all the challenges that they face. When it comes to COVID-19, The main differences in how countries around the world are tackling the disease mainly relate to their public healthcare practices rather than the personal medical practices towards an infected patient. Looking at how we're responding to the COVID-19 crisis in Ireland uh, from a public health medicine point of view uh, and other countries, we're, I suppose, following guidance from the World Health Organization, the European Centre for Disease Control, and largely what a lot of other countries in Europe are doing just in relation to um, restricting movement, uh, contact tracing, test, test, test as many people as we can to try and clamp down on the number of cases that we have, isolate them and try and stop them from spreading further. Obviously, we're looking at the South Korean model as well, um, which has worked quite successfully there where they've tested a lot of people and they've been really rigorous in contact tracing and while they put in restrictions it wasn't necessarily a full lockdown we look at other european countries which have had to put in full lockdown procedures particularly in italy because i think what's happened in italy has been particularly tragic um they had up to 800 deaths in one day there very recently and while that number has come down they're still looking at five to six hundred deaths 
per day. And thankfully, their rate of the new number of cases per day is beginning to reduce, but they're still having hundreds of cases of COVID-19 diagnosed newly every day. So what happened in Italy is very serious and public health authorities in Ireland and in the rest of Europe have taken that to heart, particularly in how they're responding to the crisis. And that has influenced us heavily there. Obviously, there's a huge demand globally now for stocks of personal protective equipment and for testing kits and everything else um, during this crisis. And uh, it shows no signs of abating, obviously, as numbers are increasing globally. Even beyond COVID-19, public health care in Ireland faces some difficult challenges in the years ahead. Going forward, there are so many public health challenges uh, in Ireland and globally. And, you know, that encompasses alcohol abuse. We have a Public Health Alcohol Act that has really floundered. Uh, you know, we haven't really implemented all of its um, recommendations. Um, tobacco um, smoking is still a key issue because when we talk about COVID-19 and the amount of people deaths that's going to come from this, we don't know at this juncture how many people are going to die in Ireland uh, tragically from this outbreak. But every single year, five to 6,000 people die from tobacco-related illnesses. We rarely talk about that or we just trip out that figure as if it means nothing. But these people are just as important um, and there are hundreds and hundreds of deaths and hospital admissions as well in relation to alcohol abuse. We're looking at outbreaks of mumps currently ongoing in Ireland. There's been huge outbreaks of measles uh, in many countries in the last few years due to inadequate vaccination numbers. And in Cork last month, we had the first case of rubella in 11 years in Ireland. These are all diseases that can be treated by vaccinations, which are widely available. Yet around the country, we still maintain inadequate vaccination levels for many of these illnesses. Because really you need to have over 90% um, vaccination against a particular disease, you know, for herd immunity. And there are gaps there because of the Wakefield issues back some years ago. There was false uh, research that purported to say that there was a link between the MMR vaccine and autism, which was completely discredited and untrue, but it did untold damage on vaccination levels globally and uh, still having an impact today as we see. So that just really, I suppose, shows you the importance of public health medicine and some of the challenges that they face. And also just in the time of COVID-19, about how important accurate factual information is because there's a lot of inaccuracies out there online as you know in whatsapp groups yeah. um there's you know unscrupulous people coming forward with cures and public health medicine are really there to try and support factual information getting out to everybody so public health medicine plays a key role as well in reassuring people and trying to bring them along but really garnering public support and trust in public health is absolutely vital. And I think during this crisis, we really are seeing how important public health medicine uh, specialists and doctors are. And I think there is a lot of support and trust in them, thankfully, in Ireland. That was episode 10 of Viral COVID-19. I would like to thank Priscilla Lynch for giving me a really informative view into the world of public healthcare medicine. In our next episode, we are going to be looking at how COVID-19 has drastically affected the property and rental market up and down the country and whether those changes are here to stay. Please remember as well to leave us a quick review if you have been listening to the podcast over the past couple of weeks, as it does go a long way in getting the word out there. I'm Ian Doyle. I will talk to you on Monday. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.